Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Bill Podcast, where today I am absolutely delighted to be sharing this wonderful interview with one of the most popular character actors and leading men this country has ever produced. He's adored all over the world thanks to his fantastic performance as Boise in Only Fools and Horses and The Green Green Grass. Today I've got the great pleasure of chatting about a superb performance he gave in The Bill in Series 4's Runaround. He played Ian Gore, the bus driver who's had enough. And this is a sneak peek of a kind of gold dust that's going to be appearing in the next edition of Witness Statements. So here's an extended chat with a true legend. He's a lovely man. And we'll also be hearing about his brand new documentary, Boise in Belgrade, which you can order direct from the great man's website. More on that to come. In the meantime, sit back, relax and enjoy this chat with a true legend. Hello, Oliver Crocker. Yes, sir. very well, thank you. I'm delighted to be talking to you. And well, that's very kind of you. Thank you very much. Your episode is only like the 19th ever half-hour episode of The Bill, and so you're a huge coup for the show, you know, to have you as a guest star. You received the cheque I sent you, did you? Good, good. <laughs> good, 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 good. I'm guessing this was a straight offer, would it have been? Uh, no, I think I, I think I, uh, I went and uh, read for it, and uh, I think the director had seen me in something else, and... Uh, I suppose just wanted to see what I was like because I was playing a different character and so on. But uh, but no, I I was I was delighted to get the uh, the part because I I loved the show, I genuinely did. I I thought it was terrific the way they uh, they got all those stories together and lots of sort of backstories as well all together in half an hour and made it really made it work. And I used to watch it a lot, you know. So I was really delighted to be in it and doing something. So uh, I I just, I, n- I never understood why they took it off really. I mean, I know fashion's changed and all that, you know, but it was a step up from Dixon and Doc Green, but it, but it had humour and uh, and everything about it. Everything about it, I I really liked. I think so. So it was, it was nice to see that that all that uh, that stuff again, you know. So yeah. so I remember it quite well. Yeah, it's, it's a cracking part. I mean, because I I remember actually being on a on a night bus in London when there was a drunk on the and the driver literally chained himself into his cabin and just told everyone to get off he'd obviously had a bad experience so he, he your character reminded me of of the real deal because they must have horrendous maybe not all of them go to the lengths of your character to kind of make a point but it's not a job it's not top of the top of the list is it you know if you were to have a job no no it isn't i mean and um you know what we're living through at the moment you know they're uh, very vulnerable you know, very vulnerable particularly at night you know uh, which is which is his problem was that it was the night thing wasn't it and uh and he was—he wasn't going out there again, and uh, they weren't listening. But uh, I, I must say, seeing it again, it, it, it sort of makes me laugh as well. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and the last thing you, the last thing you see of him is he was standing there in a crowd. That's him. That's him. And but it's not—and it's not—it's not resolved, is it? I mean, they don't, he's not caught and banged up or anything. But uh, I was. That was the only thing I was disappointed about. I thought I think there's an ongoing story here, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but then I would think that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you had to be in shape for that part because you're jumping over walls and. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. That bit where I jumped over the wall and uh, legged it up the street, I actually did pull a muscle. Oh. During that, <laughs> I, I remember it. I remember sort of running uphill and it suddenly went twang in the, in the calf area, and I went, God, oh, man, you know what's that? Uh, so I tried to disguise it. I think I just about got away with it. But uh, I, I remember that when I when I saw it again. 
it's not easy work wielding that sledgehammer around, you know, you've got to be uh, pretty strong. No, no, that's right. No, I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, there's no rehearsal for that. <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> just get, get in there and do it, you know, and, uh, I thought, I thought maybe it'd be, uh, It'd be nice if he sort of came around uh, the outside and started smashing the. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it was just the windows, you know. I think I think they're looking to uh, mend it, you know, and get it back on the road again. <laughs> you know, but, uh, <laughs> no, it's fantastic. I mean, what, uh, and you you pointed out Nula because because uh, she'd had to when I chatted to Nula once she joined the bill, they wouldn't let her go back to do Only Falls, you know, because it was a rival channel. And, uh... No, I know, I know. So, yeah, so that's right, because I, uh, I talked to her about that uh, when we did Only Falls, and uh, she was a bit of a shame, I thought. Mm. But, uh, but no, she's, no, she's a good actress, and uh, I've met her since, you know, and she's, uh, well, she was, anyway, last time I saw her, sort of happily married and uh, yeah. and so on, and uh, sort of practically sort of given the business up, really. I think, you know, because it, it's terribly difficult it's suddenly having oh. children, you know. Yeah. And it's the worst, it's the worst profession in the world to be married in, you know. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's good to see her because she was, she was very good in that, I have to say. Yeah. And uh, what do you think it is about, like, I mean, you, you, you don't, your stripes on Z cars, of course, you know. So what, what do you think it is about police series that, that ha- has proved so popular and why don't we have one now that everyone can tune into every week and enjoy it? Yeah, no, I, was, I was thinking that the other day. I, I'm a bit of a fan of uh, Police Interceptors. Oh, yeah. You know, um, which again makes me laugh. I don't know, some of the <laughs> some of the things they they had to deal with and I'm just thinking the patience of these people who are doing that job. I just think, I don't know how they do it. I really don't. And... Um, and I, I thought of that the other day. I thought, why is there? Because I suddenly thought of Z cars, you know, which is the first yeah. of those sort of grittier police series, wasn't it? And yeah. uh, I wasn't one of the guys in the cars. I was a station sergeant in it. But, That's right. but, yeah. but again, I was, ter- I was terribly thrilled to be asked to do it in a sort of semi, semi-regular basis over a couple of years. And, uh, but what a smashing series that was. You know? oh, and yeah. uh, we still, still got Brian Blessed out there. <laughs> Uh, extraordinary character. Anyway, <laughs> but I know. No, I I agree. I think I think I think people are fascinated by the police, and uh, and uh, I think I think there's a very great sort of affection and um, and a sort of thankfulness about the police and what they do. Of course, it all goes wrong sometimes, and there's some uh, you know, and they have some some bad trots. But I think basically people need them and they want them and they feel secure with them. You know, and I totally disagree with the, um, the government sort of uh, taking away a lot of their funding, you know, and I think that's a lot to do with what's uh, going on out there. I have just, I do have to say that um, I don't want to be political, but um, I, th- I think that's why they're held in such esteem, because because you count on them, you rely on them, you know, and um, and a couple of couple of times I've never had a I never had a real brush with them, you know, but they're terribly helpful around. This area, which is you know quite a remote part, there's only a few of them. But you know, if there's something wrong, they'll um, they'll be there for you, you know, uh, as soon as they possibly can, and uh, and very helpful indeed. So uh, so there's that. But but also, it's exciting, you know, and catch catch the crimbos. That's what that's what everybody wants. Everybody wants to uh, get hold of these people who are sort of burgling people's houses and uh, and so on. And so, I think uh, I think it's another. It sounds strange, but it's another sort of attraction for people. 
And uh, I did Cops and Robbers, for heaven's sake. You know, as kids, we all played Cops and Robbers, didn't we? And, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know about you, but I did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, that was, that was post-Cowboys post and Indians, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and like, as you recently discovered with, like, Boise and Brown Grey, like how Only Falls is popular. Like, like, the Bill's massive in Australia, of all places. They lap up oh, the bill. It? It's, on, it's on permanent repeat in Australia. Is it really? And it's funny, isn't it? And, and I, I wonder if part of the the appeal is is London itself, you know, because it, it you know, these are these are two London centric shows with with real East End characters, and that, uh, that it, there must be some attract other than the brilliant writing and the great acting. But I'm wondering if people actually like to see London as it as it was. Yeah, yeah, I think that, I think that's a good point. You know, um, I'm very fond of. Uh... A series, an American series, based in New York, and a lot of that. I mean, one of the biggest stars of the show is New York itself, you know. And uh, I suppose most people have been there by now. And it's a fascinating city and uh, really edgy and so on. And um, and to be in that, to have those wonderful stories of that terrific writing that they have, you know, in those streets that you sort of feel you know, you've grown up with, you know. I, I think that's a big factor because the other franchises. Um, well, they did one in Miami, I think, and also Las Vegas, but it wasn't quite the same. Not quite the same as New York, you know. And I think, I think that's true about London. Really. Although uh, Zed Cars, of course, was based in Liverpool, wasn't it? Oh yeah, that's right. Often. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's another, that's another of those cities. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it works as long as, as long as the city is based in has the right sort of cachet, you know. The, you, you get excited. You hear about New York, and you go, oh, you, you know, and it gives you a sort of a. A free soul. Yeah. And yeah. I suppose, I suppose for people abroad, London is the same. You know, it's, well, one of the most successful cities uh, the world has ever known. So, uh, you know, going back, I don't know why there isn't a, a police series at the moment. It's all a bit high tech, isn't it? It's all a bit, yeah. bit, bit more like MI5 and, uh, uh, and all that. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. It's all got a bit technical for me, really. Yeah, or, or corruption, you know, investigating corruption. Yeah. As, as opposed to just good old fashioned cops and robbers and, but the fun, like you said, like that episode, it's more, it's more or less the middle. Actually, you don't get the beginning or the end. Do you? Yeah, <laughs> they just yeah. turn up and you're wielding the sledgehammer. It's too much forensic, too much forensic stuff, isn't it? Slicing open bodies and seeing how they die. Yeah, it's all got a bit scientific, really. And uh, and I don't, I don't think that's what people want so much as the chase. You know, the chase, and are they going to get away with it? Uh, oh god they've got the wrong man and all those sort of things are uh i mean fascinating for people i think yeah and for for you in 1988 you had like four different telly roles they were all drama and you had the mm. the, the date special so i think there's a misconception that obviously they think of you very fondly as boys and deservedly so because you're magnificent in that but like, i know you as a dramatic actor as well as a comedic one so this was a real because like you were doing a casualty at this time as well like it was a good time for you as an actor and but i'm amazed that you had to audition i'd have thought it would be a straight offer uh so it goes to show that even though you had you know that the only falls under your belt rather than well into its stride mm. people make assumptions about the profession don't they oh yes i say they certainly do i you know i, I sometimes sort of queue up with everybody else and sit there nervously waiting to to meet these people who increasingly as i got older they got younger right yeah <laughs> and they start off by saying now um might i have seen you in something and you go uh i've been in the business for 
30, 40 years, you know, and so on. And uh, I started uh, feeling that a lot of the time uh, people were uh, asking me to interview because they wanted to meet me because I was in a successful comedy series. Right. Although I was up for a dramatic role. But uh, I think increasingly, you know, I got identified with that role. Mm. And, um, you know, as one of my agents uh, said, um, I've never known anyone so identified with a role, you know. And uh, and people saying, uh, well, I'm doing this drama series. I'm with a friend of mine who's a director. He actually directed the, uh, he directed the casualty I did. Ah. He said, I'd love to put you in London's Burning, which he was directing at the time. He said, but, but the trouble is the producers can't have this these comedy faces coming on, you know, because it's supposed to be a serial uh, sort of social documentary type uh, series, you know. So wow. that was happening more and more, I think. But um, I mean, I I didn't mind. I mean, I'd I'd always I'd always found humour in things. I always liked to find humour in things. Every year at the theatre, I've been uh, doing a pantomime and playing the evil character, you know, because I've uh, got this dark old face and I'm quite good at frightening children. <laughs> and but. Uh, always had a sense of humor i mean captain hook you know you you know you can play it lots of different ways i suppose but i i always thought he, he was a sort of a yeah this is an awful sort of wicked sense of humor you know so i tried to infuse that but uh and uh, i think uh, watching ian gore you know although he's uh you know he's, he's going through a bad time he just he just made me laugh really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, i mean i felt sorry for i, I felt <laughs> sorry for him but it but it it just made me laugh so Driving a bus into somebody's garden. I mean, how many times he wanted to do that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but there is a wonderful twinkle in your eye when you're showing off the sky. I mean, he's lost it by then, hasn't he? And, and, it's, and it's a brilliant performance. It's just... Oh, like, yes, it's got completely mad. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. I like yeah, your, yeah. your shining uh, connection when you saw that screen grab. Cause, yes, yeah, 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 brilliant. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you drive through the gate yourself? Uh, no, no, I wasn't. I, I remember. I really, I really was looking forward to that. Um, yeah. But, but uh, no, no. I, I mean, because of you know um, insurance and all sorts of things, it's quite complicated. All that I think. So they had to have a, you know, someone who, who was insured in the right way um, uh, through the television company, and uh, and also the person whose garden it was. You know, yeah. <laughs> a lot of negotiation going on there. So they had to get it right. And of course, they could only really do it once so, uh, again. So, uh, I suppose they just didn't trust me. Do you remember Trudy Goodwin? She was terrific. I thought, you know, the standard of acting, you know, as you've touched on there, you know, I thought I thought it was really good. There's some terrific actors in it, you know, and uh, dotting around like uh, we all were in a lot of ways, sort of doing cameo roles in lots of series, you know, and if you were in the useful actor sort of bracket, you know, male or female. That's why I kept the same faces kept popping up, you know, you do an episode of this, do an episode of that, and uh, and so on. And and really, that's how Only Fools started, you know. It's just a, another episode of a of a new comedy series. I mean, I thought it was funny. I mean, I did, I did, uh, I did think it was good straight away. But nobody said anything. I mean, no, there was... I didn't hear any plans for the character to come back at all until the following year. Wow. The strange thing, I was at the National Theatre at the time, sort of trying to be a serious actor. Oh, well, never mind. Uh, no, I, I was, and this call came through, and, it, and luckily the play I was in at the National uh, wasn't on this particular week, and uh, so I could do that just that afternoon's filming. 
And uh, I remember, God, I remember thinking, God, how lucky am I? I'm doing a role at the National Theatre and um, I'm doing the telly as well. You know, this is as good as it gets, really. You know, but but then things changed, of course, again, and uh, Only Falls took off. And, uh, you know, once a year we did this wonderful series. Well, not every year, but um, mostly, yeah, we did it six episodes. So, so that was terrific. Oh, well, it's, oh, I mean, thank you. At least I can finally... Because I'm finally talking to you after how many years we've, we've first talked. You know, thank you for the for the joy you've you've brought me, my family, my wife. You know, every, all of us. You know, we're we're. Um, oh, it's very good of you. Thank you. Oh, it's, it's true. I, I first saw you as Scorby, of course. You know, so it's Doctor Who for me. Is as... oh, this Doc Doctor Who. Yeah, another <laughs> ghastly, ghastly yeah. character. Yeah. I mean, is it nice that these iconic shows? I mean, the, like the Sweeney was on this afternoon on ITV4, you know, they're not going yeah. away, are they? And uh, do, you, do you think this was the golden age? A lot, a lot of it takes itself far too seriously these days, it seems to me. I think you sort of morph, I suppose, and actually start off, I sort of ran away and joined the Children's Theatre and then went through rep, you know, for about three years. And then uh, then started in the RSC, you know, and then... Uh, and somebody noticed me, and I, and I got on the telly. You know, we've been doing uh, telly ever since. But, I mean, that first telly was 1967, 68. So it was a really big time. Because a lot of television being made. Because it was relatively new. Yeah. Do you know? Uh, it was the, the changeover from people going to the theatre to sitting at home watching their telly. So there's an awful lot being made. So there's a lot of work about. And... Uh, I was up and down to Granada and uh, ATV and all over the all over the place, sort of doing doing bits on this show, that show, the other show. Yeah. yeah. So it's just a, another one of those, but there were some terrific, terrific actors who were doing that, and that and that was their life, and they made a very good living. Some of them, some of them, uh, some of them dropped out, but uh, I didn't really want to do anything else, so it was too much like hard work. So, <laughs> <laughs> so here we are, sixty years later, talking about it. Amazing. And how about the future? What, what is there? Is there still a role you'd re, or a series you'd really like to to get stuck into? Well, I've I've always wanted to play Doctor Who. And lucky we would be to have you. Wow. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think I, I'm always attracted to vaguely fantastic characters, you know, and uh, I think I would have made it a brilliant Doctor Who, really. Yeah. But but also, you know, I, I, this part of me, I love the variety that we used to have in the in the profession and. Uh, as part of me wants to do a sort of really searing, serious role, you know, possibly in one of these American TV series, you know, or or some of the good stuff that's being made here, you know, to uh, sit down and be a dad whose daughter's gone wrong or whose son's misbehaving or or something, you know, like that. I I've got a hankering to do that as well, but uh, but I don't know. I. I my favourite area, as I say, is these fantastic, slightly comedic characters, I think. Yeah. Uh, Dracula. Dracula's a good one. <laughs> That's the sort of thing, you know. Oh. Well, anyone who works here is lucky to have you on board. That's my humble opinion. I think you'll bring it. Oh, very kind, very kind of you. Tell your friends. Tell yeah, your friends. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I am so grateful to you for, for sharing your memories of the bill. Thank you. Thank you very much, John. Not at all. Great pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, Fantastic. Pleasure. How's Wigmore Books for you? How, how, how's, because I'm like, I had this first Bill book with a publisher 
they sold out in the pre-order phase, which I thought was a good thing, but then they wouldn't do a reprint. And I'm like, but why? If we sold them all and people still want more? And they said, well, that's your lot. So I'm having to self-publish now. But that's quite an interesting learning curve, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what, that's what I finished up doing with... Uh because I didn't like the deals that people were offering. And um, and also, the, you know, the numbers didn't stack up. So we sort of invented a new business. You know, my editor, myself and my wife, and, uh, and uh, you know, up until this year, we were doing very well with them. You know, I was going out on my one-man show and uh, selling quite a few books, and I was still getting uh, orders for them, the autobiography and, uh, and also uh, a book about where we live, you know, historically very interesting and so on. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's a big part of my life. And I'm uh, I'm delighted, you know, to have that, you know, second string to the bow, as they say. Yeah. You know, because it just makes you relax. You don't have to sit at the age I am, you know, you know sit there waiting for the phone to ring and someone, you're hoping somebody's going to offer you a job that you don't really want to do, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, when you go on tour for six months and it's £750 a week. What? <laughs> That's a round of drinks as far as I'm concerned, darling. But it's just, uh, it's just great to have those, um, those alternatives, you know. So, uh, yes, at Being Boise, if people want a copy of the autobiography, it's, it's all in there. Wigmobox.com, yeah. And Boise in Belgrade, that's very good. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed so, very proud of that. that. Yeah, what a, what a wonderful thing to be able to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was just somebody who came to see my uh, one-man show, and I told this story about the uh, first time I went to Belgrade, and uh, he introduced himself, and uh, he's actually a Montenegrin, he said, but he found the whole thing fascinating. Yeah. And uh, said, well, listen, I've got some contacts out there. Why don't we go out there and uh, make a documentary? And... Uh, I said, well, I've never made a documentary before, you know, um, fascinating part of the world, historically, so interesting, you know, and I, I knew practically nothing about it, really, wow. except for the uh, the obvious things, but I, I found it absolutely amazing, um, and uh, hopefully, if, you know, if everything's all right next year, we'll be, uh, we'll be doing the same in Montenegro and discovering that, so oh, that's, cool. that's one of the plans, yeah, because they, they, they absolutely love it in that part of the world. Only fools and horses, you know. They uh, they took it under the wing, you know, when they were all fighting each other. And uh, and uh, somebody rather poignantly said to me, he said, it's the only thing that made them smile. Oh wow! You know, because they all they all you know watching Only Fools and Horses with subtitles, then going off and shooting each other. You know, basically, you just think I don't, you just think that's extraordinary, you know. Mm. But it, but it's like the uh, the story of the reminded me of the First World War story where it was Christmas, wasn't it? And the Two sides came out of the trenches and decided to play football. Yeah. And then went back in the trenches and, oh, God, you think, this is madness, you know. Mm. So um, I was trying to look into that sort of, uh, you know, what, what produced that, that extraordinary situation. So, uh, but, and it's quite fertile ground and, because they love it. And, uh, and to have somebody from the cast of Only Fools and Horses for them was just such a big thrill, you know. Oh, um, yeah. That was a great big, great big thrill for me too to uh, to discover it, you know. And I met some fascinating people, and uh, hopefully again next year we'll, we'll have some more of that. Oh, I do hope so, because I mean, it's it's like I mean, I, my first book was about all creatures great and small, and and Peter Davison and Chris Timothy did this driving around in in an old car, old holiday destinations in the UK, and Channel Four put it out on a Saturday night, and it was a rating smash. 
So I think, I think pe- yeah. people like feel-good, nostalgic, historical telly right now. I think they do. And it does, it does cheer people up. I mean, how many times have people said to me, you know, oh, it helped me through a really difficult time, you know, mm. and uh, I was very ill or my, or my, my son was in hospital in, the, uh, in a coma and I had one lady come up and say thank you very much for, you know, for all that because he loved the show and uh, and gradually he got better because we kept playing the episodes at him until he oh. until he woke up and uh you know the oh. theme tune and his leg started to move and uh, it was just such a thrill oh. for that family as you could imagine but it actually she was convinced it was that show that had brought him around you know um, wow and that's a that's an extraordinary thing to uh to think about you know Thank you so much. I am. I'm so grateful to you for talking to me, John. I really am. No problem. Okay. Take it easy out there. Take it easy. You too. Stay safe. Take care and keep being a legend. Yes. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. My huge thanks to John for sharing his time and being such delightful company. I can highly recommend his autobiography being Boise and Boise and Beyond. You can order both from wigmorebooks.com along with John's novels, Reggie, A Stag at Bay and Reggie in the Frame, plus Wigmore Abbey, The Treasure of Mortimer. All the books are signed by John and you can read even more about the great man on his official website, john-chalice.com. That's where you can find out more about John's documentary, Boise and Belgrade. It's fascinating for me to be gathering memories and anecdotes about the bill from some of the most beloved and well-known character actors in the country. And uh, there's more to come, I'm pleased to say, in the next edition of Witness Statements. You can order signed copies of the first edition, Witness Statements, Making the Bill, Series 1 to 3, from my website, devonfirebooks.com. International shipping options are available. Uh, You can also, if you like, find it on Amazon. Really hope you enjoyed this podcast and also coming up very soon, uh, we've got a three-part podcast with a a real-life former Met Police officer, Kevin Holland. He shares some absolutely fascinating insight into joining the police in 1988, so same era we've been talking about with John. But also one of his responsibilities was to work with the Bill production team because he was responsible for the Aylesbury estate in the 90s, which would double up as the Jasmine Allen. That is coming up very soon, part one of a three-part podcast with a a real-life copper. Something a bit different for you all to enjoy. And then just around the corner is for one many of you have been waiting for. Suzanne Maddock is our guest presenter as she chats to her friend and colleague Natalie Rolls. We talk all things Debbie McAllister and even the pair of them climbing Mount Kilimanjaro together. That's a real cracker. If you can't wait till then, you can enjoy all three parts of that, plus an interview with Jed Simmons, who played D.I. Alex Cullen, right now on patreon.com forward slash the bill podcast. There's over 50 hours of content that you can unlock If you'd like extra content to fill your Sun Hill boots, it would be fantastic to see you on there. And I'm very grateful to everyone who's been able to support the channel so far. I'll hand you over now to the mighty Ben Payton to read the closing credits. In the meantime, take care and bye for now. Hello, this is Ben Payton and you have been listening to The Bill Podcast. Produced and presented by Oliver Crocker. Co-produced by Dan Evans, Sarah Kuyper and Alex Mockler. Executive produced by Glenn Allen, 
Ben Ashmore, Daniel Christopher, Alana Dewar, Andrew Dyack, Paul Dunn, George Fairbrother, Stuart Gibbon, Erin Gordon, Luke Hegarty, Edward Kellett, James Ladane, Stuart and Jen Morris, Claire Norbury, Justin Pitt, Tom Sherrington, Patrick Stratford, Sarah Went, and Michael Weil. Brought to you in association with georgefairbrother.com and Misty Moon Events. If you're interested in reading about the making of the first three series of The Bill, signed copies of Oliver Crocker's book, Witness Statements, are available from devonfirebooks.com.